is Casey Griffin. Um, I just wanted to say welcome, everybody, for coming and being a part of service tonight. Um, and if we haven't met yet, I would love, love, love to meet you um, because, as you're going to hear in a second, I love friends. Um, so I would love to have more of them. Um, but so I'm really excited to share with you guys tonight because that's what I get to talk about. I get to talk about friendship with you. Um, or more specifically, community is what we're going to be talking about. Um, and if you've spent any amount of time with me, um, you know that I love spending time with people. Love it so, so much. I love getting to know people, and I love, like, really getting to know people. Um, one of my favorite icebreakers when I'm in any group of people, when, like, the conversation dies a little bit, is to go around and ask everybody when the last time they cried was. Um, half the time people will cry again, so it's really nice. I love to get deep with people and just genuinely get to know people. Um, I just love friends so much, <laughs> and apparently I've always been this way. Um, that's something that my teachers always told my parents in the parent-teacher conferences that are just a really, well, it was probably like a negative thing, but that was like a social butterfly and distracted people. Um, but I <laughs> get this uh, memory every year in January on my Facebook um, that proves to you how much even eighth grade Casey really liked friends. Uh, I have a screenshot of it, but it says, a friend, is a friend is one of the nicest things you can have and one of the best things that you can be. So it's great Casey was really going through it, but she knew the importance of friendship. That's my maiden name, by the way, in case you've never seen it. Uh, it's pronounced Guffian. Never try to say it, ever. You won't be able to. Um, but friends are the best. It is one of the nicest things you can have and one of the best things you can be. Um, and I have had the pleasure of having so many friends over the last couple of years, and I'm so grateful for every single person who's um, I've ever been able to call a friend in my life. Um, but during my junior year of college, I was actually able to live with a couple of my really good friends. Um, it was really fun because whenever I would get bored or I just didn't want to be alone anymore, I could just go out to the living room or to their bedrooms and force them to spend time with me. It was awesome. Um, and we did the most random things together, like... Uh, we would go outside when it was raining and decided that was a perfect time for a walk. Um, we had buffalo chicken dip for dinner once a week. Like, that was our entire meal that was apparently supposed to sustain a 20-year-old human. Um, we did Zumba workouts at 1 a.m. together. That was a good time. It bothered our other roommates who didn't enjoy doing that with us. Um, and another thing we did was we took a lot of trips to the uh, Cedar Bend Humane Society, which is an animal shelter in Waterloo, um, we did this thing where we're like, oh, we're so stressed because we just did one assignment. And let's go get distracted by go hang out with dogs. Um, there was cats there too, but none of us really cared about that. Um, but we went to go hang out with the dogs. And every time we were like, don't get attached. We can't fall in love with this dog. We're always so sad when we leave because we fall in love with them. We can't buy a dog. And one time, um, when we probably should have been studying, uh, we headed to Waterloo and we met the perfect dog. She was a mix of like six different breeds and she was so sweet and playful. Um, and one of the workers even let us take her on a walk outside and we got to spend like an hour at the shelter with this dog. Um, and the whole time we kept making jokes of like, oh, what if we named her this, but we can't get a dog. Oh, what if we dressed her up for like this for Halloween, but we can't get a dog. Oh, she could be the Kyle of a mascot, but we can't get a dog. We had to keep reminding ourselves that we were 20 year olds with full time, like full time students. We all had jobs. Um, none of us were home before 8 p.m. And so adopting a dog was a really bad idea. But, like, no longer we're at the shelter. We bought a dog, right? Um, so we left with a dog. Um, and in case anyone cares, her name was Chili. I know some of you know Chili. She is the cutest. And I personally love her a lot. Um, but 
uh, if you're familiar with the vine, like, hi, welcome to Chili's. That's what she's named after. Um, we named her after a vine. And she responded to it while we were still at the shelter. So we're like, this is our dog. This has to be our dog. Um, but she lived in that house for the next two years, which was really cool. Uh, she did end up becoming, uh, like, someone's official pet. And then when she moved out, like, she got to keep the dog. Um, but for a couple of years there, Chili was our roommate, which was really fun. Um, but that's just one of the many dumb things that we did while we were in college together. Um, we, we did a lot of questionable things. Um, but those things drew us together. They helped us be friends with one another, and they created this bond amongst all of my friends. Um, and they honestly just helped us become really close. And so for me, my friendships in college were really, really important to me. But for some of us, um, maybe you've always loved being around people, um, and you really like vulnerable friendships. Like, you're that weird friend that, like, asks everybody when the last time they cried was. Um, <coughs> you just want to get deep really fast. And sometimes it kind of makes people uncomfortable. For others of us, uh, maybe you like being around people, but like to an extent. Like you don't want to be alone, but you also don't want people to know your deep, dirty, dirty secrets. Um, we want to keep part of ourselves kind of hidden from people. Like we want friends, but we're not really sure about having a deep relationship with them and like letting them know all of our junk. And we keep things at surface level, and we just bond over shared interests like sports or hobbies or even classes. And there's still others of us that if we're honest, we don't really like being around people. Got any introverts in the room? They're all like, yes. <laughs> um, maybe you, you have wanted community in your life before, but you just prefer to be alone, um, prefer to be isolated. And the idea of community kind of scares you. Um, some of you, I know, have been invited to a small group, and you're like, everybody's sitting in a circle sharing their feelings with each other. No, thank you. Um, you that just terrifies you. And you just really don't want to go. Um, so no matter where you're coming from tonight, no matter what group of people you find yourself in, um, when we look at scripture, it's easy to see that followers of Jesus valued community. Following Jesus alone wasn't really an option for the first church, and the followers of Jesus just did life together. They just needed to do life with one another to survive. We often think that we can do this life alone, but that's actually not how Jesus designed us. He designed us for a deep longing for friendship. There's this desperate need, I feel like, in our generation for friendship and community. According to a 2020 nationwide Cigna study, America was undergoing a loneliness epidemic with nearly 50% of the participants feeling lonely. And that was before we entered into a national pandemic where socialization became the norm. And those numbers significantly increased when we looked at Generation Z specifically. We rep they reported that 73% of Gen Z sometimes or always feels lonely. 73%. That's insane. We were at one, how, somehow we were at one time the most connected generation, but also the loneliest generation in the world. Loneliness significantly increases our chance for mental illness as well. In young adults, loneliness is one of the major factors for um, people struggling with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And as people struggle with those mental illness, they want to isolate themselves, right? Those mental illness push us to be alone even more so, which pushes us into more mental illness. And it's just this horrible cycle that sometimes we can't get out of. We live in a day and age where real meaningful relationships are few and far between. But we as humans are actually wired for relationships. Love and connection are two of our most core basic needs that we have as human beings. And around Chi Alpha, we wholeheartedly believe in this. Um, we have a need for community. So if you haven't been around that long, we have a couple of pillars that are the foundation for everything we do. The first one is real devotion, which is being intentionally intimate with Jesus through spending time with him daily. Um, the second is real community, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, but real community is just that we are committed to establishing real relationships and creating vulnerable friendship with one another here. 
And so my prayer is that this group would be the place where you experience genuine friendships um, and you want to establish those relationships with people and just feel truly known by the people around you. So with that being said, like you saw on the screen, we're going to be starting our new series tonight. Um, so this year, so far, we've learned about our birthright, that we have a birthright to be a son or daughter of God and to be in his family. And not only do we have a heavenly father in this family, but we also have lots of brothers and sisters. We have a birthright to Christian community. We have a right to family because it is what biblical Christian community is, a family. And this is where our relationship with Jesus is not only started and sustained, but it's also where our relationships with Jesus grow. Trying to follow Jesus on our own only sets us up for failure. No matter if community comes natural to us or if we just want to be alone all the time, we all have a need for community because people in our lives can remind us of Christ's character and push us more to be like Jesus every single day. So tonight we're going to be reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, um, feel free to follow along with me, but it's also going to be on the screen behind me. So in this chapter, the author Paul describes his relationships with a group of people. Um, and Paul is an apostle, so he's a really dedicated follower of Jesus whose life was radically changed after he had an encounter with God. And he dedicated his life to ministering to people. And this book that Paul writes is actually a letter to a church um, in Thessalonica. Uh, so Paul spent a lot of time with these people. He helped them start the church in their town um, and really just helped them start their relationships with Jesus. And after Paul had started the church, he started going to different towns to help them start churches to help more people build their relationships with Jesus. And while he was gone, the people in this town started to get kind of weary of Paul. They started to question his motivations. Um, and people started accusing him of being deceitful with them because they no longer had that face-to-face -face time with him. And as this passage um, goes on that we're going to read, Paul's response, or this is actually Paul's response to those accusations. So he's reminding these people how he feels about them, how he treated them, how much he loves them, and how he um, treated them when he was there specifically. So Paul describes the relationship, and in doing so, he gives us a guide to what biblical, healthy relationships could look like. Um, so this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. It says, but we are gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, and brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaimed to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father was with his children, we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I'm going to pray over this. Jesus, we just thank you so much for um, just being in this room tonight. God, I pray that you would give each of us new perspective on biblical community. God, you would help us to see what it's like to be in your family, what it's like to um, have relationship with you while we're walking with other people as well, God. So I just pray tonight um, that each of us would hear something from you and that we would be obedient to respond to you in whatever you call to us, God. So we just love you so much and are just so thankful for tonight. Amen. I always get really parched during the first part of a sermon, and I feel awkward taking a drink, so I probably won't do it again. Um, but so at the beginning of the passage here, Paul starts off by reminding the Thessalonians that when he was with them, he was gentle towards them. He didn't come in all yelling at them and busting them around and telling them to obey him. He had tenderness towards them. 
He compared himself to a nursing mother. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know any nursing mothers who are yelling at me. That's just not something I encounter that often. But this means that he took care of them. He nurtured them and he protected them. I picture Paul like rubbing his friend's back after some girl dumped him. He's like, it's okay, buddy. You're going to get through this. Like Paul's the kind of friend that would do that for, this, for these people. And he goes on in verse 8 to say that he had become affectionately desirous of them. He longed for them when he wasn't with them. He, did, he longed for them so much, though, so that he didn't just share the gospel with them, but he shared his life with them. He didn't just want to be their teacher and tell them what to do, but he wanted to sh- do genuine life with them and share everything going on and wanted to be their friend. He had deep, meaningful friendships with these people, and they were dear to him. And that's the first thing I want us to get tonight is that our family, our community should be important to us. We prioritize each other because family is dear to each other. When someone is dear to you, they're close to your heart and you care about them very deeply. And we desire to be together and spend meaningful time together because family is important. And this can look like so many things for our community. It could be hanging out with someone um, when they're really homesick or maybe comforting someone when they're going through a really tough time. But being dear to one another just means that we're there for each other. When I think of someone who has been there for me over the years, um, one of the first people I think about is Katie Boldy. I know some of you guys know her. Um, She goes to Scent Church. She used to be a pastor here at Chi Alpha and really is a huge reason for making Chi Alpha what it is today. Um, But for those of you that don't know, Katie was actually freshman Casey's small group leader. Um, God bless her. Uh, But Katie has always had this very, like, motherly character to her. She's always been very protective, very nurturing. And if you know Katie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But she just wanted people to feel so loved and uh, there was one time really specifically that I remember Katie making me feel extra loved and extra cared for Um, so this was shortly after uh, I had gotten out of a a relationship my freshman year and uh, I don't know if you guys uh, can relate to this but when you are going through a season of like transitioning and a season of like not knowing what to do with your life and you're questioning your major and you are having trouble with your friendships and you don't want to be at school anymore life is kind of chaotic um That was me. I was literally stressed about everything in my life and just trying to figure out what my life looked like outside of um, this guy that I just gotten out of relationship and what I wanted to do with my life. And so any small crisis became a huge one. And so in the middle of this chaos, uh, I started to have feelings for this other guy who's not my husband, so it's cool. It's all good. Um, But I caught feelings a little too quickly after I had gotten out of that breakup, and I just want to be wise, and I was feeling really conflicted about my emotions, and I wanted to honor God, and I thought the world was ending. Um, I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Some people think I was like, oh, oh boy, wow, cool. Um, But at the moment, I thought that this was like top peak crisis. Um, Everybody should be aware of what's happening, and I just needed to process everything going on in my life. And so I immediately texted Katie, and um, I asked her if she had any time to hang out so she could help me process it, and within 20 minutes, we were chilling and and Schindler. I didn't realize how hard that was to say. And I cried, and I vented, and I processed to her, um, and she gave me some really helpful, insightful, wise, sage Katie advice. Um, And she was just there when I needed her the most. She even, like, rubbed my back like Paul probably did. He rubbed my back, reminded me that um, my identity is not in the sky, and it doesn't matter that I have a crush on a boy to just focus on Jesus. Um, And she was just really there for me, and it was really cool. But later, I found out that Katie was actually supposed to be in a class at that time that she skipped to just be my friend. Um, which some of you skip class for other things, but, like, Katie wouldn't have done that, right? She wouldn't have skipped class. She's not that kind of person. Um, even though she knew that that probably wasn't that big of a deal to me, she, or that big of a deal to her, it probably wasn't important to her at all, but I was important to her, and so she was willing um, to go out of her way to just be there for me and be the friend that I needed. And being there for one another is um, just 
having that time that you go out of your way to just be with your friends. Um, it can look like so many things. One of those ways is um, going to Kyle Flynn's small group together. That, that's great. But it's more than that. It's sharing life together. Being vulnerable about what's going on in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sometimes I think we're too scared of letting people into our lives and just being real with them. We have this fear of being rejected if we are honest about things, or we're scared that people in the community aren't going to love us anymore if they know all of our deep, dark secrets. But that's not true. The love that is shared in this family of God is not a conditional kind of love. As we commit to being motherly and showing this unconditional love to other people, as Paul was, we can lead one another to being vulnerable and to being real with one another. And being dear to one another doesn't just happen overnight. This takes intentionality and stepping out of our comfort zone, um, going out of our way to build those deep relationships with people. So that can start tonight. You can go out of your way tonight to go ask somebody else in this room um, to hang out with you sometime, play disc golf, go thrifting, whatever you need to do to start that relationship with someone and just start to be your real authentic selves with one another and invite people into your life. And if we want to see biblical community replicated in our community today, the people in this room need to be dear to us. Paul continues his defense about his relationships with the Thessalonians in verses 9 and 10. He says this, For you remember, brothers and sisters, our labor and toil. I keep adding sisters in there. It's important. Uh, we worked night and day that we, not might be, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. So Paul reminds them how, in addition um, to starting the church and pastoring them, he worked on the side. So if you don't know this, other pastors and religious leaders of Paul's time actually got paid for the work that they did. Um, but Paul and his co-workers chose to work day and night as um, a tent maker so that his church didn't have to provide for him. They sacrificed time and energy so that they could um, help lead these people to Jesus and because they just cared so deeply for them. They were willing to lay their lives down for the Thessalonians and work extra hours. And that's what the family of God does. Family lays their life down for each other. We do things for one another that are in the other person's best interest. And this is such a countercultural idea in our generation. We've been told that if it's not in our best interest, um, or to do whatever is in our best interest, to just look out for number one, whatever we can. We've been told that if something doesn't serve us, to just let it go. And that's the most loving thing that we can do. But Jesus' example is so far from this. 1 John 3.16 says that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So if Jesus can give up his whole life for us, we can sacrifice things for other people. Back when John and I were first married, um, we had a lot of complications with our living situation. Um, long story short, we planned on renting a house. It was undergoing renovations. We found out the night before our wedding that it was not going to be done when we got back from uh, Missouri a week later. So that was really fun. Um, and so all week while we were on this trip, we were on Zillow trying to find uh, places that we could live anywhere that would allow us to move in like the day we drove back to Iowa. Um, and nothing was working. We were really frantic. We were in the car driving back to Iowa and be like, I was like, where are we sleeping tonight? Like we had no idea where we were going. Um, and John gets on the phone and he calls Pastor Derek and Taylor and tells them about the situation that we were going through. Um, and without hesitation, they offered us to sleep in their basement, which is so incredibly awesome. Um, but like for context, it was our second week of marriage. And like before John and I were married, like we didn't do certain activities that like married people do. Um, so, like, we didn't, like, living in their basement wasn't, like, the most, like, ideal thing in the entire world to be doing. Um, 
but it was so nice, uh, but just not ideal. <laughs> and I can imagine that's probably not that ideal for them either, right? That's not ideal for them. Um, but, <laughs> but they were willing to sacrifice themselves for us. They were willing to sacrifice an entire level of their house for us so that we wouldn't have to live on the streets for a couple weeks. Um, they did what was in our best interest instead of their own, and they laid their life stone for us because they loved us, because we're family. Still weird, but family. <clears throat> if you're a follower of Jesus, um, we have this call on our life to follow in Jesus' example. Laying down our lives for one another, um, for our family, might look like sacrificing time to maybe go to service or go to small group. I know it can be easy to think that it's not that important to go to small group or like maybe if you're there, it's not that big of a deal or that nobody is going to notice. But you actually play a really vital role in every small group. Everyone has a role to play. And when you're gone, it's like a family member is missing. I don't know if you guys have ever had like a family dinner or um, maybe like an older sibling went off to college. It felt different without them there. And that's what small group feels like. It feels different when you're gone. You may not think that you're super important, but maybe someone in the group needs you there. Maybe there's something that you need to say to someone that's going to encourage them, that's going to help them get through a really hard time. Maybe you have something that's on your chest that you're struggling with that you need to share that somebody else is going to open up and share about their thing because you said it first because they didn't have the boldness to do it first. Every single person in a small group is so important and being there is so important. You're so needed. So I don't want you to feel like it's just for numbers. I just want to be so clear about that. You and your individual self are so needed and so wanted at small group. Making small group a priority isn't just good for us, it's good for the other people around us. And we can lay down what's convenient for us to make being with community a priority. Paul isn't finished painting this picture of Christian community though. So in verses 11 and 12 he says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So Paul says here that his co-workers and him were like fathers to these people. And I know a lot of us have different versions or different ideas of what fathers could be, but Paul's example for us describes three things that a father should be doing. He told them, we exhorted you, we encouraged you, and we charged you to live in a manner worthy of God. So when Paul says he exhorted them, it means he called them higher. He showed them how to live. Exhorting can also mean um, warning or giving advice too. So he helped strengthen them and helped them be the best person that they can be. Paul also encouraged them. So when they were struggling, he helped pick them up. Um, we all need people to encourage us, right? When we mess up, we need someone who's going to look, look at us in the eyes and say, I still love you, and we need to be able to do that for other people as well. Paul also charged the Thessalonians to live in a manner worthy of God, to be like Jesus. He wanted to help them grow into who God wanted them to be. And he loved them so much as they were in their mess and their mistakes. But he knew that God had so much more in store for them. And our culture um, that we live in, it tells us it's okay. Stay the way you are. You're perfect just the way you are. But as Jesus followers, we know that that's simply just not true. God sees us in our mess and loves us, but he believes that we can be more. And we need to believe that for other people as well. We can believe that God has so much more in store for the people in this community that we aren't willing to let one another stay on the ground. We need to pick each other up, remind each other of the love that we have for one another, and fight for each other to be the person that God has called each of us to be. And that's what Christian community is. We love each other enough to fight for each other. We call one another to be like Christ because family fights for each other. 
And we can start this by confessing sin to one another, knowing that it's a safe place to do it. We can help our small groups by growing, growing in depth and vulnerability by taking the leap ourselves and being willing to trust the people around us um, to be real with them. And not only will these people love us, but they can also challenge us to walk away from those things that we share with them. We also need to be willing to ask people to call us higher, to live a life in a, go a godly lifestyle, and to not give in to the things around us that everybody else is doing. Instead of just having normal friendships, let's have godly friendships. Godly friendships where we can push each other closer to Jesus through sin confession and through challenging one another and reading the Bible together and just spending time with one another talking about the character of Jesus. We can be the most encouraging people on the planet and call up potential in one another. Let's do it. Let's just be those people. Let's see the things in people that they don't see in themselves. We can walk in holiness together and invite others to join us along the way. And if we do this, we're going to be able to see so much growth in not only ourselves, in our personal relationship with Jesus, we're going to see growth in the other people around us as well. The best friendships that I've had in my life have not been the surface level ones. The best friendships are the deepest ones. The people who I can be honest with and share the best and worst, best and worst parts of my life with. Growing up, I had a group of friends that I was close to. Um, we were the friends that sat together at lunch every day, we were in all the same clubs and organizations, we celebrated each other's birthdays, and looking back, most of them not, didn't really know me, um, and honestly, I didn't really know any of them either. Our friendships were really surface level, um, and that continued when I got to college as well. I started hanging out with the girls on my floor and um, hanging out with the people from my classes, but still I didn't really feel like myself, I didn't feel like the people around me actually knew anything about me. Um, and again, vice versa, I didn't know anything about them. Uh, but when I finally bought into Chi Alpha and found some real friendships, I was able to be honest about the things that I was struggling with. Um, that's when things started to change for me. I started letting people into my messy life and stopped hiding behind things. And I felt really known. And like I said before, it, it can be really scary to be known because we feel like people aren't going to love us anymore. And that was my thought as well. Um, but people still loved me. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, and when I was still in that relationship my freshman year, I was making a lot of mistakes with him. And um, I idolized him. And I idolized our relationship. And I put him before Jesus in every way possible. Um, but when I started to sh share those things with my friend Emily, she called me higher. She shared scripture with me and encouraged me and reminded me that God had called me to so much more outside of any relationship I could ever be in. She was able to point me in the right direction so that I could be obedient to something that the Lord was already asking me to do. I'm sure it wasn't easy for her to challenge me either. Uh, like I was crying. It can never be easy to challenge someone when they're crying. But she wasn't willing to stand there and watch me not walk into everything that God was calling me to be. She wasn't willing to let me choose some guy over Jesus. And she fought for me, and she was there for me, and she helped me say yes to Jesus in a way that I didn't think I could. And, and I'm so thankful for Emily and the rest of the community that I had my entire time in college um, because I'm confident that I would not be where I am today without those people calling me higher and reminding me who Jesus is and who Jesus has called me to be and fighting for me. And I know some of you are like me and have never really had depth in your friendships before. Like no one really knows you. But you can choose to change that tonight. You can choose to trust in this community to build lasting friendships with one another that glorify Jesus. We are meant to follow Jesus with other people. 
We need people around us supporting us and encouraging us and pointing us towards Jesus in every way possible. We need to be there for one another. We need to be there for each other when we need a gentle figure in our lives and a shoulder to cry on. We are there for each other even when it's inconvenient for us. We are there for each other even when it's hard and it may not be fun. We are there for each other so much that we won't settle for a social club and surface level relationships, but we choose to push each other to be more like Jesus. Family is there for each other. And that's our main idea tonight, that family is there for each other. We need to be a people that truly know each other and truly love each other. If we want to pursue Jesus with everything that we have and grow spiritually, we need to do it within the context of real, authentic community. Paul gave us a blueprint for what, it, what we have to do to begin walking with community. And tonight, I want to challenge you to follow this example during your time in college. I don't want you to wait until you're in the real world, until it's convenient for you to make friends. Pursue community now. Maybe you're in here and you need to allow people to be dear to you, to have that motherly love for someone. And maybe you need to let someone fill that role for you as well. For some of us, no one has ever been a gentle figure in your life. Maybe your parents are really harsh on you or really strict and having a dear loving friendship is challenging for you and that's okay. True family starts with us having this true love for one another and being there for each other. And there are tons of people in this room that want to be dear to you. We need people that we can be affectionately desirous of. When we see people on campus in the middle of the week, getting so overjoyed to just see them because you love them and you're so excited to see them because you know them and you have a relationship with them because you've been doing life together. We need people that will mourn with us and comfort us and people that we'll do the same for as well. Each of us needs a community who is willing to lay our lives down for us and who we are willing to lay our lives down for. God is calling us to be sacrificial and to prioritize Christian community. This can be that family for you. Maybe you need, still need to find someone that can call you higher. Someone who will call you out when you're straying away from Jesus. Someone who loves you so deeply and cares about your future so much that they're willing to tell you the hard things that you don't always wanna hear. We need people in our lives to do that. I can think of so many times over the last few years when Pastor Daniel or Pastor Derek um, have been this person to me. They've called things out in me. They showed me the potential that I couldn't see in myself and they helped me walk in obedience and willingness to walk in God's vision for my life. And my hope is that every single person in this room has people in our lives that will do that for us, that sees the potential in us and calls us out when we're walking away from it. And then we can turn around and do that for other people as well. That we can have the courage to exhort, to encourage, and to charge one another to live lives like Christ. And as we seek people to fill these motherly or fatherly roles in our lives and try to lay our lives down for one another, we can remember that no one's gonna be perfect at it. There's only one person who's ever done it perfectly and that's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who could be perfectly gentle with us and care deeply about us. He was the perfect example of that motherly love that Paul was describing in the passage. He stopped to be intentional with people, um, always wanting to listen to them and make them feel truly known. And Jesus was also the perfect challenge for us. He always wanted to challenge us and push us closer. He was the perfect example of that fatherly love. He wasn't afraid to tell people um, the hard truth and rebuke them, but always in a loving way. And Jesus is the only one who has perfectly laid his life down for us. Jesus humbled himself and left heaven to come to earth. 
to live a perfect life and to take the penalty for every wrongdoing we've ever done and every wrongdoing we could ever do. And Jesus got up on that cross and he paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could walk in relationship with him. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus tonight, my prayer is that you would find that, that you would say yes to him and you would see how dear you are to our savior. And as we commit to following Jesus wholeheartedly, we will begin to act like him towards one another. I believe that we can be this family that genuinely wants to know each other and wants others to know us. That we can lay our lives down for each other every single day. To be the family that's willing to point one another towards Jesus even when it's hard, even when it makes us uncomfortable. We can love each other so much that we aren't willing to let one another stay the way we are. And if we commit to pursuing community and making a family, this family a priority in our lives, not only will we see personal growth in our relationship with Jesus, but we'll see growth in those around us. And we can play a part in seeing each other run towards Jesus stronger and faster than ever before. And not only that, but I also believe that if we commit to community, God is gonna use this community to change the campus of you and I. If we lay our lives down for each other, people are gonna notice. People will wanna know what's different about us. John 13, 35 says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People will see this unconditional love that happens between us even when we're not perfect. We can be a great witness to our friends and tell them about Jesus simply by the way we lay our lives down for one another and being a family. The family will grow if we are willing to commit to be there for one another. If you guys would stand with me. I think there's a couple of ways that the Lord is asking us to respond tonight. Um, so earlier when I was sharing about Jesus and sharing about what he did for us and laying his life down for us on the cross um, and that we can have a relationship with him and you thought to yourself that you don't have that yet, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like one. I wanna give you a chance to do that tonight. Um, so scripture says that all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Um, and you can put your trust in Jesus and he'll forgive you and cleanse you and bring you new life tonight. So if that's you and you want to begin to walk in a relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna ask that everyone would bow their head and close their eyes. Um, and if you want to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? This is just a signal um, to Jesus that you're ready, you wanna dive all in and you want to be in a relationship with him. One, two, three. Jesus. If you would just pray this with me in your hearts, Lord, we just are so thankful for you. Jesus, we thank you that you're the perfect example of laying your lives down for us, for getting up at that cross and taking the penalty for everything in our lives that we've done against you, Jesus, everything we've done um, without you, Lord. And I just pray tonight that uh, as we say yes to you, we would just be so willing to say no to the things of this world, God. I thank you for making us new and for letting us walk in relationship with you, Jesus. You're so good, Father. The second way to respond tonight is for those of us who are already followers of Jesus. Um, and if you just gave your life to Jesus two seconds ago, this is for you too. I want us to make a commitment to community tonight. I wanna challenge us to commit to building those relationships with one another, to commit to laying our lives down for one another and truly representing Jesus to everyone around us by the way that we love one another. And so since this is committing to community. Um, I just want to ask that if you want to do that, that you would raise both hands high right now. Um, people can still have their eyes open because we're committing to community publicly. Um, if you want people 
to truly know you and to be truly known by to truly know other people. Would you just raise both of your hands right now? Um, and I'm just gonna pray for us that Jesus would help us to commit to him in, in our community in every way possible. Lord, we just love you so much. God, we're so thankful um, that we can be a part of this family. We thank you that you've given us brothers and sisters um, to walk with in our lives, God. Brothers and sisters that can point us towards you. Um, and we're just so thankful for what you're going to continue to do, Jesus. I pray that we would just be so desperate for you to move in our community. We'd be so desperate to um, be with the people here, to be truly known and to truly know other people, God. I pray that our lives would look radically different because of us committing tonight to be vulnerable with these people, God, to be... Um, uh, just so willing to pursue you with these people and to challenge one another and to call one another higher to look more like you, God. So I just pray that tonight would be the night that we just dive in to everything that you have for us as a community. We dive into everything that you're calling us to, Jesus. We just thank you so much.